Hi, I'm Stuart Spinks and welcome to episode 248 of my podcast, Beekeeping Short and Sweet. March often begins with a cold snap, followed by warmer, sunnier days. I'm keeping my fingers crossed for a fast start, but the forecast isn't very helpful. Listen in to hear why I'm ever so slightly concerned. Beekeeping Short and Sweet, a beekeeping podcast for the inquisitive beekeeper with a short attention span. A beekeeper, in fact, just like me. Hi everyone, I hope you're all well and welcome back to the podcast. And I guess we should start with the all-important weather check. It's turned cold again. In fact, for us here in Norfolk, it's turned a little too cold. I have to pause again and remind myself that a lot of you outside of the UK are probably wondering what all the fuss is about when we here in the UK get a light frost overnight, a sprinkling of snow and start to wonder when spring will arrive. The simple truth is, for me, I'm worried about a few of my colonies. The next couple of weeks are set to be cold for us and it's going to be a little below the seasonal average and whilst for most of my colonies it causes absolutely no concern at all, there are a small number of nukes that may not survive. For our beginner beekeepers listening, a nuke is normally considered something around half the size of a full-size colony. We sometimes prepare these nucleus colonies in the autumn, as you've probably heard in previous podcasts. That turned out to be a disaster for me last year because of the wasps attacking in large numbers. So a full-size colony around now might have eight to 12,000 bees in it. That's a very rough count, of course. It could be more, it could be less. As with most of these things in beekeeping, it's such a variable number, but it's probably not too far off the mark. Anyway, if a nucleus colony, or nuke as we'll call it, is around half the size of its full-size counterpart, then we could be talking of three or four thousand bees in total, or as many as six thousand bees. Now, add into the equation a late autumn attack by wasps, depleting an already small colony, you can probably begin to understand why I'm feeling a little nervous. They're not going to starve, but might die of hypothermic shock, as I term it. With so few workers in the nuke, it becomes almost impossible to keep warm, and they ultimately die of the cold. This then is why I'm worried for some of my nucleus colonies as we head into the first couple of cold weeks in March. I feel certain I'm going to lose more for no other reason than those wasps in autumn. Again, it was something of a disaster for me. That will likely drop us below the 100 colonies number, but I'm not going to get all depressed about it. Beekeeping can be like that. If you're trying things out, making changes, experimenting, then you have to expect and accept that it's not always going to be successful. And sometimes you will have to pick up the pieces and start over. For my part, I much favour spring splits. They feel so much safer and for good reason. First off, we don't get that predation that's so apparent in the autumn. Mated queen wasps and hornets are only just getting started. Setting up foundress nests, these are their initial nests after coming out of hibernation, 
small nests with small numbers of workers, much less of a threat to our nukes than the full-on assault in the autumn feeding frenzy. It's not just wasps and hornets looking for an easy meal either. Other honeybee colonies will rob smaller colonies that are unable to defend themselves. Again, not something that tends to happen in the spring when there's a decent nectar flow happening. Another benefit of spring splits is the near guarantee of improving weather. Days getting longer, the heat in the sun warming up hives, allowing workers to get out and forage for nectar and pollen to feed their growing nucleus colony. Finally on this point, if you're looking to produce your own queen, spring gives a much better chance of successful mating than late season splits. Drones are in plentiful supply and in ever increasing numbers and ready obviously to do their thing. This last autumn and winter has become a bit of a hindsight thing for me, that 2020 vision we all have after the event. The main thing is not to linger on the mistakes, but to plan forward and learn from what happened and where we're heading. We have, I think, up to six or seven nucleus colonies that may succumb to the cold weather, but looking at our season in a positive light, we have plenty of strong colonies that we can use for splits to get everything going again and start refilling boxes. I spoke recently on one of my Patreon videos about reusing frames from colonies that have died out, and it's something you have to be really careful about. I would certainly recommend to any beginner beekeepers listening that you don't reuse drawn comb with food stores in them, at least not for your first few years. Gain some experience in managing dead colonies by cleaning them out, cutting out the frames and cleaning those for reuse. This will also give you a chance to get to grips with understanding why colonies have died, learning about the various pests and diseases, and being able to make a judgment call about what the risks are to your future colonies regarding the reuse of old comb. For the more experienced beekeepers out there, you will know in your own mind if you feel comfortable and or confident about disease recognition and can make an honest decision about whether you feel there are any risks associated with reusing that old comb. There are risks, of course, but the reasons for a colony dying out are numerous, and this will affect your choices. Let me explain from the practical perspective of the colonies that I've lost this winter and what we're going to do. Just this week, I was at the Fishing Lakes Apiary and checked a few colonies for stores. Most are in great shape and don't need any feeding. But unfortunately, I found a couple of those small nukes that had died out because they couldn't maintain the required temperature in the cluster, and subsequently they all died. The dead bees were sandwiched between two frames and had started to go a little bit mouldy. Now, we're not going to reuse those, so removing these two frames revealed another four frames of sealed food stores in perfect condition. No sign of robbing, no mould or other signs of damage. These frames I feel perfectly happy about reusing and have taken them out and placed them temporarily in a chest freezer. With the knowledge and experience I have, I'm able to make a judgement on the reason these bees had died. My assessment is that it's not because of disease, but rather the late autumn wasp attacks, reducing the size of the colony and then the cold weather doing the rest. 
I know what foul brood looks like. I understand how robbing could bring disease into dead colonies, but there are no signs of any serious infection. These bees simply died because of a series of unfortunate events in late autumn and over winter. I therefore believe the risk of reusing these frames is minimal. If I had any concerns that a colony had died out because of disease, I wouldn't take the risk. And remember, I have a lot of experience inspecting both my own bees for disease, but also other beekeepers' colonies over the period that I was a seasonal bee inspector. If you're unfamiliar with disease identification or have any doubts, either about the reason the colony has died out or in your own ability to understand and identify why a colony has died out, then don't risk it. Clean it all out and start over. Of course, you have to visit your apiary and check your bees to know what's going on. Sometimes you might discover more than just some hungry bees. I was chatting to a fellow beekeeper just last week who explained to me that on his last apiary visit, he found that one of his hives had been knocked off their stand and had fully split apart because they weren't strapped down. The culprits were the local deer population, and apparently it had happened a couple of times before he realised what was going on. I've had beehives knocked over before in previous winters, although the cause of the chaos for me was the local bored teenage population rather than deer looking for a scratching post. My hives were in a fairly secluded spot near our local university, but obviously not secluded enough. There was a long tree branch on the floor near the hives, so it looked like they simply shoved the hives off the stands. With luck, it would have been a mild evening and a very defensive colony. That would have given them a bit of a shock. What both I and my beekeeping friend discovered is that honeybees are incredibly resilient and can survive the harshest of weather and treatment. Both my hive and his were left in this collapsed state for, well, at least several days, totally exposed to the elements, yet they gathered themselves together in a tight cluster and survived reasonably well. This can only happen if you have a decent number of bees in the hive. A small number of bees trying to cluster and stay warm would probably not have made it through. But if they're a strong colony, they can withstand the worst of the weather and still make it through to spring. The important thing is for us beekeepers to pop to our apiaries on a regular basis and keep an eye on what's going on. The sooner any issues are spotted, the better for our bees and any other colonies around them. Elsewhere around the apiaries here in Norfolk, it's all fairly quiet still. I did notice at one site the green woodpeckers have had another attempt at one of our honeypore hives. Nothing too major this time, a tiny little hole, but one that will need filling before we get started into the new season, which won't be too far off despite this current cold spell. I have a feeling it will all kick off fairly quickly, and although I have heaps to do still, we're actually in a good position somewhat ironically due to having lost so many nukes last autumn and winter. The plan is to build colony numbers back up by setting up all of our hives as double brood. Again, for the new beekeepers out there, this is where we place a second brood box on top of the original brood box that sits on the floor. This gives the queen freedom to lay eggs across a total of 20 frames, our techno set and honey pour hives being 10 frame brood boxes, 
and although the Queen seldom lays across all 20 frames, there is a core number of frames spread between both boxes that will run through the middle and that can be easily split to make an increase in colony numbers. It will come as no surprise to you all that getting the timing right for adding these second brood boxes can be all important, especially if you only have foundation in the frames within that box. Add them too soon and the colonies trying to expand at the start of the new beekeeping season can stall, suddenly hit by a large void of cold air directly above them, drawing heat away from their brood nest and causing the bees to have to work harder to maintain that all-important brood nest temperature and leaving large areas of fresh foundation to sit unoccupied and unworked. What we really want is a period of settled warmer weather where our colonies are looking to grow and expand rapidly, have the number of workers to enable that expansion and a decent nectar flow providing all of the necessary food resources to produce wax, build comb and feed the growing number of larvae. Of course there's a flip side to this. Add the box too late and you may have to contend with some emergency swarm control, especially if your second box is just foundation and doesn't have any drawn comb in it. This is where a little knowledge of what's happening within the hive at various times of the year can really help and I would urge you to take a look at some of the fantastic charts that are out there showing how a colony grows in size as it comes out of winter and into spring before slowing down and shrinking back again later in the year. The queen will start laying eggs in ever greater numbers as day length increases, temperatures warm up and critically the number of workers in the hive increases. Without these workers there can be no rapid increase because they're needed to look after the ever increasing number of young larvae being produced. So what are you looking for in spring to give some kind of indication that the colony can take a second brood box or for that matter a queen excluder and a super in order for you to take a spring honey crop? Well firstly take a look at the weather forecast. Right now it's highly unlikely that any of my colonies would be ready for a second brood box. We're in this cold spell that's going to last for at least 10 days maybe a full fortnight or longer when the weather does break and it warms up enough for first inspections, don't hang around and have some very specific questions in mind. Is there brood in all stages? Do they have enough food stores? Crucially, do they have enough room for the queen to continue laying unhindered? If you see brood in all stages, you don't even have to get the magnifying glass out to look for eggs because without eggs you're not going to have brood in all stages and certainly don't waste your time looking for the queen. Are there any drones and or drone cells as yet? This is a really good early warning sign that the colony has the ability to get virgin queens mated and if there are drone cells in this colony they will likely be in others too. This then leads on to swarming but it's the availability of cells for the queen to lay eggs in that's the important point with regard to adding that second brood box. I'm lucky in that I have frames with drawn comb that I can provide, instantly providing more egg laying cells for the queen to continue building her colony. Get the timing right and a colony can expand very rapidly and make for a perfect split. Get it wrong and the colony can stall or swarm depending on which way and when you jump. I never said this beekeeping lark was easy. Oh, 
Um, perhaps I did say that it was easy. Well, actually, it is easy as long as you're willing to mess it up sometimes, learn to make mistakes and accept them for what they are and have a fantastic start to your beekeeping season wherever you are. Well, that's me done for this week. I'll catch up with you all again in a week's time. Don't forget to check out my website, www.norfolk-honey.co.uk. And for my latest videos and podcasts with more updates, tips and techniques, it's the same Patreon page, www.patreon.com forward slash Norfolk Honey. And remember, I'm Stuart Spinks, and that was beekeeping, short and sweet. (laughs) 